Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. That was put together by More Perfect Union. This was absolutely incredible. I got a chance to see a little bit of this behind the scenes personally, but More Perfect Union, I'll read the quote right here. It says, New national rent control is closer than you think. A historic wave of tenant organizing is on the verge of winning renter protections that would be attached to federal loans, affecting one in four apartments. But Graystar, Blackstone, and Avalon Bay are spending millions to block it. And in this video, which we're going to play from start to finish, featured in this video is our own KC Tenants, of which I am a member, and you all should be as well, by the way. After that, Whitney Aldrich. She is the council person representing Ward 2 on the Merriam City Council. Running for re-election, election day is on Tuesday, the primaries. So we will be chatting with Whitney in a matter of moments. Rate, review, subscribe, do that thing. You do, Kansas City. That's pretty good. Once again, it's that time. I'm begging for your votes. Nominate the KC Morning Show for Best Local Podcast. You got to write our name in. That's round one. Round two, if we get on the ballot, then you just, you know, click on us. But we got to get there first. I will drop a link in the show notes. Details at thepitchkc.com. Four time, baby. Let's be four time. Best local podcast. I mean, that's dynasty. You know, we already an institution at this point, but now... I mean, that's just house money. Am I right? That's all I got. My name is Hartzell. It is a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. Absolutely. I love you. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. They are unanimous in their hate for me, and I welcome their hatred. The KC Morning Show. The break! The break! The housing market is a catastrophe. Record rental prices across the United States. 
and something's got to give. Living in America is freaking ridiculous right now. I can't afford any of these apartments. $1,800 for a one-bedroom apartment. $1,400 for 485 square feet. I guess I just live in my truck. Over a third of Americans are renters. And if you're in that category, you probably don't need to be told that the rental market is out of control. The question is, can anything actually be done about it? A historic wave of tenant organizing, unlike anything we've seen in decades, has found one answer. National rent control. The tenant movement is absolutely within striking distance of rent regulation at the national level. But it's not just tenants who are organized. This is also a story about how some of America's biggest landlords, banks, and private equity firms are hiding behind innocent-sounding front groups, all while pooling their money to keep your rent high. I moved into Waldo Heights in 2018, so I've been here five years now. And every year since I've been here, my rent has increased Every time my rent is raised, I'm at uh, a crossroads of being evicted. Millions of renters like Val are trapped in a rental market that's built to empower abusive landlords who can raise rents each year while allowing conditions to get worse and worse. The mice, the roach infestations, sometimes they don't pick up our garbage. When I first moved here, I was told that the security gate was going to be fixed. The gate is still not fixed, and so people come in and they sleep in our hallways. I'm afraid sometimes to, to come in my building at night. My landlord is Landmark Realty, a corporation based in California. They, they don't care. They just don't care. Since the last financial crisis, rental units are increasingly owned and operated by corporations like Landmark that are accountable, first and foremost, to their private investors. For tenants like Val, legal protections against abusive landlords are often limited. But she discovered one powerful way to fight back. So me and my neighbor, my best friend <laughs> down the hall from me, we just said one day, she was like, let's call KC Tenants. And I, I said, okay. So I called and I left a message on the hotline. And a couple of days later, I got a phone call back. A group called KC Tenants were fighting to stop eviction hearings at the Jackson County Courthouse. Evictions will kill people like me. Charged crowd packed City Hall for more city. than three hours. The yellow shirts in the room are tenants, each with their own personal story. In a national housing crisis where rent inflation has vastly outpaced income growth, groups like KC Tenants have given their members power to take on their landlords. We have written and passed a tenant's bill of rights. We've won free lawyers for every tenant facing eviction. We've organized buildings and neighborhoods. And just recently, we elected four members of city council. And that movement seems to be growing. Places like Louisville, Kentucky, Bozeman, Montana, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. The current surge in tenant organizing is the most significant since the 1970s. And it's allowing renters to fight for the kind of big relief that only the federal government can enact. There are millions of tenants across the country 
being squeezed by landlords like Landmark and our federal government is bending out. We can fight back by winning rent control for everyone at Waldo Heights and for When Landmark Realty secured a mortgage for Val's building in 2014, their loan was actually backed by the federal government. Corporate landlords like Landmark often benefit from lucrative loans through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, government-sponsored enterprises that purchase mortgages from banks and set terms for them. With one in four apartment units across the country financed in this way, the government is essentially in business with our landlords. But that may be just the leverage that renters need. We want to see every dollar of federal financing conditioned on a set of tenant protections. If you're borrowing on really favorable terms, that money is backed by public dollars, you should be on the hook. You shouldn't be able to increase your rent 20% and evict a whole lot of tenants to maximize your profits for your investors. What we want to see is them say, if you're borrowing from a government-backed enterprise, you can't increase the rent more than 3% year over year. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are regulated by the Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA. Thanks to the work of tenant organizers, the FHFA is seriously considering policy along these lines. But there's just one problem. Tenants aren't the only ones who are organized. here at the National Multifamily Housing Council because the rent is too motherfucking high. They've spent so much of their time lobbying to make sure that rent protections don't exist for people like us. Landlord industry groups like the National Multifamily Housing Council spend millions lobbying Congress and federal agencies to oppose rent control. Since the start of last year, the NMHC has spent almost $10 million lobbying against it. The NMHC's members include major banks, private equity firms, and some of America's most notorious corporate landlords, like Graystar, Avalon Bay, and Blackstone. Blackstone is the world's largest private equity firm, and by some accounts, the largest landlord in the U.S. In recent years, private equity firms like Blackstone have increasingly been buying up housing assets, often with lucrative loans backed by Fannie and Freddie. Tenants have complained of rent hikes, evictions, and faceless corporate landlords unresponsive to repairs. The UN even accused Blackstone of worsening the global housing crisis by buying up properties and hiking rents across the world. Meanwhile, Blackstone CEO Stephen Schwartzman earned $1.3 billion last year. For private equity firms like Blackstone, membership in lobbying groups is a way to protect their profits against threats like the current push for rent control. A 2023 lobbying disclosure shows the NMHC has been lobbying the Biden administration against rent control and the FHFA's oversight of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And it's not hard to guess what their lobbyists are saying in those meetings. Y'all, we just had a team of people go into the NMHC offices. We did a meeting with their government affairs director. Cindy told us this is just a problem of housing supply. That's a common argument from industry lobbyists, that if rent control limits developers' potential for profit, they just won't build as much housing. There's no question we need to build way more housing. And there are vigorous debates among housing advocates about how to do that through policies like zoning reform and public financing. But all of those proposals would take years to have an impact on rents. And the fact remains, renters need relief now.
Time will tell if the federal government sides with tenants or corporate landlords like Blackstone. But the fact that these tenants have gotten this far is itself historic, and a sign that those of us who are renters may have more power than we think. It does feel different living here and being a part of Casey Tennis. When I would take pictures of the trash and send it to the property manager, he said that I was harassing them, that I needed to move, or he would use my lease uh, to evict me. But when he realized that I had Casey Tennis behind me, backing me up, I've heard nothing else from him since. Yes, baby Z, whatever you're doing, I love it. Uh, looks like she's conducting this choir. <laughs> Let's do one last, I believe. Uh, Demo, you're on. never been involved in anything as powerful as KC Tennis and it's, I'm emotional right now because they have truly given me a voice and and I know that um, they have my back and whatever goes on they have my back. If there's one thing that I found is as true as the sunrise, it's that I like being on there with hot sauce. The KC Morning Show. For the first time on your KC Morning Show, she is running for re-election. She currently is the representative of Ward 2 on the Miriam City Council. Why is it taking me so long to get Whitney Yadrich on your KC Morning Show? That is an own goal on my part. We're going to fix that right now. Whitney, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you, Hartzell? I literally don't know why it's taken this long either, but that's on you. It absolutely is. I had your husband on the show, Jake Yadrich, just okay. I know that you, Whitney, are about to bring the fire. I can already feel it. Frankly, yes. For so long, I've been the woman behind Jake, and now finally he's first gentleman of the ward. And so this is my chance to actually show you who's the power person in the marriage. So this is great, great news for me. Whitney, so you are running for re-election. Tell us a little yes. bit about, I guess, the state of Miriam. What y'all got going on? Fill us in. Love on your folks for a little bit. Oh, well, the state of the city is yoked. Like, <laughs> Miriam is the best little mighty mouse on our side of the state line. So for those who don't know, we are uh, a little bitty. We're four and a half square miles, but 
we're essentially the busiest chunk of I-35 in the state of Kansas. So basically, when you cross the state line from about Antioch down to 75th Street, so right when you get stuck in traffic, that's us. You're welcome. <laughs> we are in a great spot right now. I mean, we're getting ready to, in the next couple of years, be completely debt-free. Our new community center is nominated for Best Community Center in Johnson County. If you haven't been there, it's gorgeous. We've got a brand new library under construction that opens next year. Got a great new development going up where the old Kmart used to be, which I'm calling Miriam Grand Station, parentheses, Kmart's version. <laughs> um, we're having a great time. We have a great council. We have a council that works really well together. And I have a primary election next week. So I'm really hoping that I make it through and I get to serve another four years with this council and keep doing great things. So election day is this Tuesday, August first. Yes. Also the same day that rent is due. Thank you for that reminder earlier. You're Whitney. welcome. <laughs> yes, you can pay by check, I'm sure, <laughs> online, however you need to do that. Maybe a payment plan situation. You'll need to talk with your landlord specifically. Um, <laughs> but you know, I can't control that. I'm more in control of your property tax mill rate here in Johnson County, <laughs> which we are lowering next year in Merriam. So you're welcome. You know, that's actually a good segue into my next question. You know, what are some things that we don't know about Merriam? That could be Merriam specifically, that could be what you all are doing on the city council, the future. You know, what are some things that maybe we are missing that we need to know about? Something that people don't know a lot about Merriam is our population is obviously small, right? We have a, about 11,000 residents, but we are a local economic powerhouse. What we know about Merriam is that for every Merriam resident, four non-Merriam residents come in and shop and spend money in our city. Non-Merriam residents essentially pay for most of our city services. So we really take advantage of that. I'm currently the council vice president serving on council leadership and, and I get to learn from not only the mayor, but our council president and our city administrator a lot about how these things work. And we are able to give that money back directly to residents through our grant programs where we give liquid cash back to our residents for making improvements on their homes. So we give it back through property tax relief, through franchise fee relief. There are other cities that don't do those things. And that's a huge advantage. I mean, that's, you know, thousands of dollars in value that goes back into our community every year. We also help residents plant trees every year, which has been a wild success this year. I mean, all the trees are taken. So we're able to leverage this local, hyper-local economy into direct benefits for our residents. We're also known for, I mean, our top-notch snow clearing. So um, the roads, yeah, the roads will always be clear. Our public works department is on their game like nobody else. The little city that is is 10 out of 10, like five stars, would live there again. <laughs> I love representing it. I, I'm really proud to represent it. Um, I think we have great things on the horizon coming forward. But right now we have a lot of projects that I'm really excited to see through, not only with the Kmart development, but with some you know road projects we're implementing. I was on a committee that 
defined a citywide bike and trail plan. So we have a continuous bike plan throughout the entire city for cyclists. And we're starting to implement bike lanes throughout the city. I was on a planning sustainable places committee where we received a grant from Mark to create a complete street in downtown Merriam. I'm also on the public art committee where we're going to be putting out RFPs for public art projects throughout the city. I served on the Merriam Green team where we're making changes to policy and programs in the city to improve sustainability projects throughout the city as well. There's a lot going on that's very exciting and it directly affects our residents and the way that we do business in the city. Well, sounds like y'all got a lot going on in Merriam. What are you focused on during this campaign? You know, let's get you through the primaries. What is it that you intend on working on with another four years? What are those issues that you're hearing on the ground in, uh, in Merriam? I mean, this is an issue in the metro area for sure is property taxes. We need to create a city budget that lowers our property tax rate and it funds all the amenities that we have in Merriam, especially in Ward 2. We are lowering the city mill rate next year. That's the first time we've changed the mill rate since 2008. So our mill rate has held steady since 2008, which is wild. Um, I don't know if any other city has been able to do that. Um, And we are now lowering it, which is incredible. I want to be able to continue to do that, especially as we approach a debt-free budget. I think that's something we owe our residents. We're very conservative with our budgeting and we continue to see our revenue increase. I want to be able to give our residents that relief. We continue to have opportunities for economic development. I especially want to see us focus on economic development in historic downtown. And when I say that, I mean that area of Johnson Drive and Merriam Drive right off of the highway on Johnson Drive on the west side. There's a giant open green space there where old community center used to be. We have a lot of opportunity there and we need to make sure that we're preserving the businesses that want to stay there and be successful. I think we could do a lot down there. And then obviously, like as we make these improvements, we need to be thinking sustainable. We need to commit to the regional climate action plan that Mark and Climate Action KC have done. We need to be creating infrastructure that is resilient and is multimodal so people can walk on it and bike on it and drive on it and feel safe. And then as always, I'm looking at protecting everyone in our community. This is, to me, a public safety issue, inclusivity and diversity. All people who live in, work in, and visit Miriam should feel welcome and safe. And I will always advocate for that at all times. That is just something that, to me, is always front of mind. Well, let me piggyback on that then. You know, what is your... North Star that guides you, even if you don't have the votes all the time, what are those things that you will continue to advocate for with another four years? It's most important to me, I think, that we keep local, especially municipal, municipal meaning like councils, nonpartisan. My reasoning for that is because we have to take specific votes on a day-by-day basis and do what's best for the community. For me, it's an ethical thing. In the local game, you have to think about the information you have and the ethics. First of all, you have to understand taxes. Taxes are everything. Like you have to understand your local economy. I know where money is coming in. 
I know where money's going out. Um, it means like if I feel good voting on something financially, I know that we're being smart with the bag. You have to be good with your money and you have to feel comfortable with where your money's going. Well, let me ask you real quick. So how do you how do you write that fine line of, you know, not going so far on the austerity angle that you're starting to cut programs that would help Miriam be sustainable or would help Miriam bring in truly affordable housing or things like that? How do you write that fine line of, you know, yes, addressing I guess, kitchen table issues. But, you know, the kitchen table of the city of Miriam is a little bit different than the kitchen table of Main Street. You know, I think in some extent, it's a little bit of a of a false dichotomy. But you tell me. Honestly, there's a whole other side to this, which is you have the information, but then you have the ethics part of nonpartisan philosophy. And ethically, I always have to think first about my constituents. Miriam is maybe the most, I think, socioeconomically diverse city in Johnson County. A clear mix of socioeconomic differences, just even in my ward. So I always have to make the choice that is going to be best for everyone. I make the choice that's in their best interest. So I don't know if you're familiar with this, but there is an article that was published on the Huffington Post Oh, back in 2017. So like 3000 years ago, <laughs> it was by Kayla Chadwick and it was, it was an opinion piece, but it was called, I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people. Mm. And it was about this overwhelming fatigue of arguing about politics. And she describes empathy as a basic human emotion and how the lack of it creates this fundamental divide in society. And so when I'm voting on things, I look at the, the data side of it, but then I also remember that like I have to lead with empathy and I have to be someone with a moral compass. There are times when I'm like, I'm gonna pay the three or four extra cents for something because it means that somebody else gets to have property tax relief for a grant. They get to have the shade tree in their yard that's gonna lower their bills. I can't make everyone happy, but I can do what's best for the greater good of the community. And those are times when I need to make a vote that I become a community trustee where I may not have a strong input from the constituents, but I know that I'm making a choice that benefits the better part of the community. And I know it benefits a sector of the community that may not have a voice or may not know that they need to have a voice in that moment. You can still be nonpartisan and you can still have a moral compass at the same time. And I think it's really important that nonpartisan representatives still have empathy. And that's the key to being a good leader, regardless of what you're doing. Frankly, a good person. We're comfortable challenging each other. And at the end of the day, we're more productive because of that. But we can all eventually come to an agreement. Before I let you go, something that I worry about and think about all the time here on the Missouri side is the crisis of losing folks from public policy that is reactionary, beating down on marginalized folks, our community, you know, young folks. What are their concerns? Are they willing and wanting to stay here in our region? How do you answer some of those questions when you get them from folks on the trail, from young people in particular? 
Sure. So the average age in Miriam is actually 39. That's my current age. Still got a three in front of it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still young and I'm still relevant. Don't tell me otherwise. (laughs) We are not washed yet. All right. We good. Okay. I'm still in the age people are targeting. I promise. There is definitely a vibe in this younger generation, especially of elected officials, where we are connecting more with this younger generation of voters, of constituents, because it's okay to be a human being. It's fine to be who we are. I think it's because, in my personal experience, we've been accessible our entire lives. We have been showing our personalities on social media for years before we decided to run for office. We have not been hiding pieces of ourselves that make us who we are. My neighbors are my friends just as much as they are my constituents. I mean, I remember like this Casey Pitchbot or something account once said like Whitney Yodrich pitches Real Housewives of Kansas City or something and I was like oh I feel so seen that's so accurate (laughs) because I am probably the Northeast Johnson County archivist of Bravo Television. We are connecting on a different level. We don't even need to make ourselves who we actually are. We just have to show who we actually are. And we don't have to be everything to everyone because we're never going to be everything to everyone. And when I knock on doors, because that's the way you get people to the polls, is by knocking on doors. When you knock on doors and you talk to people and you actually listen to them, those are the things that they're interested in. You have to be real about the issues. You have to listen to what they're talking about, not force yourself and your ideas on them. And then look around. What are they into? What do you guys have in common? You know, I connect with a lot of my constituents on sports. I used to have to knock on the Chiefs games and I would be like, hey, what's the score? You know, (laughs) there's a reality and a common ground among younger voters that, like I said, it's a vibe. It's all about being level set and being in it together. Whitney, early voting open now, yeah? Yes, early voting's open through July 31st until noon. There are, I think, six locations in Johnson County. There are other primaries, so definitely check your ballot. You can get a sample ballot at jocoelection.org. And then election day is Tuesday, August 1st. I know in my ward, it's at the tiny old Marian Christian Church on Johnson Drive, but you want to make sure you go find your polling place. Please vote, especially in local elections. All politics are local, guys. Election Day, Tuesday, August 1st. Whitney Yadrich represents Ward 2 on the Merriam City Council. My friend, plug the website, plug the handles, and make one final pitch, not just for yourself, but make a pitch for your folks. Make a pitch for Merriam. Yes. I am on Twitter or whatever Elon is calling it this day <laughs> at wit, W-H-I-T for F-O-R, Miriam. I'm on Instagram at Whitney Yadrich, Y-A-D-R-I-C-H, and threads at the same name. Website is WhitneyForMiriam.com. I'm currently endorsed by Mike Kelly, uh, the Johnson County Chair, Mainstream Coalition, Moms for Kansas. I'm really hoping to get reelected. Like I said, we have a lot to finish up. And I know with council leadership, I can help bring us to the finish line and get amazing stuff done in our city. Move to Merriam. It's rad. We have a lot of fun. And I'm trying to get you to move to Merriam. Come on, man. I've been trying for years. Let's get it done. I am willing (laughs) to be wined and dined, Whitney. You know this. You absolutely know this. 
I know. It's so easy to win you over. (laughs) (laughs) Whitney Yodrich, my friend, I appreciate you. And tell Jake that he's just going to have to try harder next time because the bar has now actually been set in the Yodrich household on the KC Morning Show. You're top of the leaderboard, my friend. Top of the leaderboard. Power rankings updated. Can't wait. (laughs) Good luck, Whitney. Thanks, Hartzell. With no explanation. Life can be sweet, have no expectations But please just stay with me With all that we're given We have all that we need A life that's worth living Is just some mouth to feed